We want to look at reformation through forgiveness. I know. If your butt cheeks didn't get tight and you didn't get a little frog in your throat, you are in denial because you ain't that good at forgiving. Forgiveness is tough. Listen, I, again, these messages came before this year. Don't let, I, I was not at your house. I do not know what you was doing. I don't know your conversations. I was not tapping your phone. It, this, is, this, is, this was set before today, December of last year. All right? Forgiveness is tough. Number one, it's mandatory for Christians. We're going to look at some scriptures that verify that. And number two, it's difficult because sometimes we have our own subjective opinion of forgiveness. Like, I don't want nothing bad to happen to them. That is not a qualification for forgiveness. That is a qualification for being humane. (laughs) I don't want any bad thing to happen. Oh, you're, you're human. You have humanity in your heart. That's great. There's not a sign of forgiveness. Forgiveness and the way it's done is defined by God himself who had to forgive and is forgiving all of us for the offenses we have committed against him, both individually and collectively. Do you understand? So before we can say what I think forgiveness is, we first have to make sure that we understand what he says forgiveness is. And in any way we don't measure up to that standard of forgiveness, our forgiveness is incomplete. So I want to make sure we're on that, on that part there, okay, because that's, that's the toughest part, okay? Forgiveness is not an opinion, okay? It's, it's a fact on how it's done. Does that make sense? All right. To eat food is, is a fact. You, just, you eat it. You put it in your mouth, you chew it up, and you swallow it, and it goes in your stomach. To be like, no, I don't eat my food like that. I just push it against my cheek, and then it just somehow absorbs in my skin. No, that's not eating. That's something like making a mess. That's not eating, all right? There are very clear-cut ways, okay, that forgiveness is done. That's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at some of the uh, ways God forgives us and, and what he says forgiveness is. All right. Then we're going to look at how the problems we have with doing it or why we should do it. And maybe the Lord and the Holy Spirit might help you to understand ways that you can make your forgiveness more complete because it is a necessity for your salvation. Amen. Okay. So the Mayo Clinic says that there are benefits for forgiving people. Like physiologically, God has made you in a way where your body and your life are truly affected by a lack of forgiveness. All right. So some of the benefits of forgiving is healthier relationships, improved mental health, less anxiety, stress and hostility fewer symptoms of depression, lower blood pressure, a stronger immune system, and improved heart health and improved self-esteem. Do you want me to do, y'all need that list? Okay, okay, I didn't know, I I thought this was understood. Okay, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll do it again. Okay, benefits of forgiving people, healthier relationships, improved mental health, less anxiety, stress, Sorry. Healthier relationships. 
improved mental health. Because you might be a little bit more crazy than you should be. Given your personality, you should have this level. You have gone beyond that level of crazy. Okay? Improved mental health. Less anxiety. Stress. And hostility. And some of you are already going, you know what? I do have, I have anxious thoughts. Sometimes I just have fits of anxiety. Sometimes I'm just stressed beyond measure. What other people seem they can handle, it just, it just stresses me out. And, and I've been often told that I'm a little aggressive and hostile. Could this be a sign of unforgiveness in your life? Who would have thought that you could worry less, endure more, and be kinder simply by forgiving? So other benefits include fewer symptoms of depression. Lower blood pressure. I got high blood pressure. You need to forgive somebody. You can change your diet all you want. <laughs> A stronger immune system. You're always coughing and hacking. Body always fighting against itself. Mm. Improved heart health. Run out of breath, just walking a block. <laughs> Huffing and puffing after making up, stating a paragraph of, of words. <laughs> and lastly, improved self-esteem. Your opinions of others greatly affects how you view yourself. So, why is it so easy to hold a grudge? And it's best that I call it that, because you'll swear to me that you forgave. But holding a grudge is common in humans. It's a form of our fight and flight response to make sure that we're no longer hurt by that person or that event. So we maintain a constant uh, flow of negative feelings to crowd out positive feelings that you might have showed um, toward that person. We allow it to be swallowed up in bitterness or a sense of injustice. Who would have thought that your cry for justice at a fundamental level had more to do with the grudges that you hold than it has to do with anything else? When you say, it's not fair, it's not right, and this becomes your heart cry for years, we would call that a grudge. The Bible would call it bitterness. Right? So holding a grudge is how we allow negative feelings to crowd out positive feelings. How we allow negative feelings to crowd out positive feelings. That is holding a grudge. 
where you used to like the person, but now all you could do is run down a list of all the things that you don't like, the things that they, they don't do like you, that you would never do, you would never say, you would never be like. And somebody comes along and says, well, at least they do this. And what that least is is never enough to overwhelm all of your negative thoughts that you have towards that person. You have not forgiven. Let me take a break. Okay, take, everybody breathe. It's all right. I slept good last night in pre preparation. I didn't even stay up late. I was just like, we're going to hit him. We're going to hit him. I'm here with you. I'm here with you. We're going to go to distance, okay? All right. So you've been holding a grudge, you've been unforgiving, and you've been bitter. Anytime you cannot allow the goodness of a person to outweigh your thoughts and feelings of, their, of the negative, you're unforgiving. Y'all all right? Okay, okay, okay. What are the effects of holding a grudge? If you struggle with forgiveness, it will look something like this. You bring anger and bitterness into new relationships and experiences. Well, I just never had anybody, you know, in my past, I, somebody's always, I got walls up because, I'm defensive because, I do these things because, and you think because you can identify it, that somehow you've done some work. You have not done the chief work, which was to forgive the person to which you are now holding the wall up for. You're like, oh, I can identify it. Uh, but you could have also got rid of it by forgiving. The only reason we got to identify it is because you have not done the first step. If you would have did the first step, this would not be present. Hello? Your wall up is a consequence of your lack of forgiveness. Which, for those of you that are still angry, is a consequence of the offense. There you go. All right? Yes, somebody wronged you. But your wall up, your distance... Your short-temperedness, your insecurities, all of these things are a consequence of unforgiveness. It's not, has, it has nothing to do merely with, or excuse me, it's not just the idea of an offense has happened. It's what you did or did not do with that offense. Does that make sense? Yeah, oh, don't worry. I can feel you all your questions. But what about it sometimes? Just, 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 just go with me. So some of the effects of unforgiveness or lack of forgiving or holding a grudge is you bring anger and bitterness into new relationships and experiences. You become so wrapped up in the wrong that you can't enjoy the present. You become so wrapped up in the wrong that you can't enjoy the present. The present may not even have anything to do with the wrong but you are so wrapped up in the wrong that you can't even enjoy the rest of the day, you can't enjoy the movie, you can't enjoy the dinner, you can't enjoy the rest of the conversation, you can't enjoy anything else because you cannot seem to untie yourself from that offense. You're, you're locked in it. Bound, so to speak. You know, we were playing golf the other day, duh, <laughs> and uh, it was me, Jewel, and Shamar. And Shamar has just learned to play, and he loves it. 
Okay, but he just learned to play. Yeah. Like last week. Last week. Last week. We get on the course. He had been practicing all week. I mean, he was out there hitting them. Cuz, can we go back out? Yeah, let's go back out. I mean, over the course of the week, he probably hit at least 800 balls. I mean, I kid wow. you not. He's almost up there with me. I still beat him, but he's almost close. But I can see the passion in his eyes. So we get on the golf course, and at least 15 of the 18 holes were terrible holes for him. Horrible. There were horrible holes. That's tough. And he gets real quiet. And I relate to that on the golf course. But this is the first time as a man that I have to engage with him when he is upset. Last time with his little baby, I said, you stop it, you stop, you want some candy? All right, let's go. And it was real easy, it was real easy then, okay? He's a grown man now, all right? And he's got that grown man look, like I wish somebody would. Hey, hey cousin, hey, I'm still your cousin. Reduce the anger out of your eyes. <laughs> he's a grown man. And so I try to do, hey, that's all right, cuz you're gonna get the next one. Okay, that's still kind of good. It's all right. You do, you know, you're just getting out here. And he's just like, shut up. <laughs> and I get that too, because I'm like that. And so a couple holes go by, and I said, Shamar, tell me, when you are stuck in something that you're failing at, what works for you? Does encouragement right on the spot work for you? Or does that make it worse? Sometimes, are you the kind of person that you need quiet, right, to sort through it? He said, I need quiet, because I said, say less. I will honor that. I asked Jewel, I said, well, Jewel said, what? She said, Pastor, that's a great question. As a coach, that's a great question. I said, I know. I said, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm a little of both. She said, what? I said, in the beginning, when I'm doing bad, I need everybody to shut up. Don't nobody say nothing. Mama G, I don't want you to tell me that that shot was kind of good. We know that shot was garbage, okay? I don't need nobody to talk to me. Everybody be quiet. And let me figure out what is going on because I know I can do this. Yeah. I need silence to work this out. Then when I get it, I need you to just lather on all the encouragement. I need all the excitement. Just, all right, that's a good job. See, then, then dump it all in there, okay? Don't be scared because I, I, I fussed at you early. No, no, you got to... You got to ignore that and just, and just dump it back in, okay? I know this about myself. I know that this is a system that works. Because you'd be like, ooh, pass it out. I'm like, shut up. Ooh. And they'd be like, I ain't going to say nothing else. No, no, now you can say something. I need you to say, I need you to say something now. I figured it out. Be my friend again. Thank you. I've come back out to the land of the living. Emerge from my cave. Jules, the opposite. As a former pro athlete, when she is failing at something, she doesn't want to stay in her head. She wants you to pull her out of that maze like never before. She wants immediate encouragement. Snatch me out of that. Get me out of that cave. And this is true of her personality. She likes it. And I'd be like, I can do that too. What I'm trying to say is there are times when you need to be snatched out of a cave because you have stayed in there too long. And the Holy Spirit has allowed you the time that is needed for you to kind of sort through this past pain. But now you're looking crazy. You got a long old beard down to your knees. Your nails all grown out. You look like a beast stuck in a cave 
Because while you were trying to figure it out, you haven't, and now you're not even being what we would call human. You're angry, agitated, yelling, impulsively. Now you have no control. You're easily agitated. Everything is upsetting. Everything is bad. Everything is terrible. And Satan is everywhere all the time. I'd be like, you want to come out of there? You don't have to stay in there. But you say, I do. I do because I got to figure this out. I got to work through this by myself, which is another byproduct of the offense because nobody can help me. Nobody understands me. Nobody loves me. Nobody gets me. See, see, now the tomb itself is walled in with the very thing as to why you got in there in the first place. You can't get out by yourself. And he didn't intend, in some cases, for you to ever have to do that alone. The Lord says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Allow the Holy Spirit to knock on your heart today. Try not to shrink back from the uncomfortableness of some of the revealing that the Holy Spirit wants to do. Amen? Amen. It's good for you. We'll find it's good for the body of Christ. Forgiveness can help free you from the control of the person who harmed you. Forgiveness can help free you from the control of the person that harmed you. And I know you're thinking, they don't control me. Yeah, they do. Because as soon as there's a trigger, y'all love that word. As soon as somebody does something like that, you respond because of that. Do you understand? As soon as somebody looks like you do something like it, you respond because of that, which means that that person and their response to you, their offense to you, is still controlling how you love, how you move, how you communicate, whether you have ice cream, whether you don't have ice cream, whether you go to the store, don't go to the store, whether you take that road, don't take the other road, whether you sit on the left of the church or sit on the right of the church. Everything about what you're doing is being controlled by that person. future marriages, future relationships. Hello? Because your dad and your mom, they weren't there. They didn't do this and they did that. And I'm not saying that it was not painful. That is not the point. The point is what do we do with it? Because if you don't handle it correctly, it will kill you. It will kill your spiritual life. It will kill you physically. Your body will be run down. You will be hurt, angry, and upset. And you'll be constantly looking for new vices and new ways to numb your pain. You become more introverted and more introverted until you are some beast in a cave somewhere and nobody could reach you and you like it. And now you are more afraid of the outside. You don't even want to come out. You've concluded that it's too dangerous. And now you're not even living. Forgiveness can help free you from the control of the other person who harmed you. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 32. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. When you're there, say amen. Because no one is there. You, we, we, I'm just going to just wait. <laughs> Catch my breath because we got a long way to go. Amen. Great. 
Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted. That means vulnerable. That means without walls. That means gracious. To be tender-hearted. Forgiving one another. As God in Christ forgave you. Colossians 3, 12 through verses 12 through 15. Colossians chapter 3. Verses 12 through 15. Still in the New Testament. Just skip on over a couple. When you're there, say amen. amen. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. you so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. The lack of our forgiveness impedes the unity of a body of Christ. Period. Which is why we had so many lemon squeezes. Why I don't let you just be angry with one another without conversation and reproof about how you need to let that go and forgive. Because if left unchecked, which is what no pastor wants to do, is to come into y'all drama and y'all arguments on petty little issues. But I also recognize that if I don't, then this division will continue to grow and spread from one heart to another heart and then another and then another and another. And everybody is not equipped to know how important forgiveness is, nor are they equipped to do it right. Yeah. So it takes shepherding. Amen. Amen. I don't like being involved in that. Get a call, and he said something, something, she said, and then he said, she said, and then who said what, and then they said, and I'm just, on the look. now I got like five calls to make. Five. Five calls. And we all know that it's not a big deal, but it has affected you largely. <sighs> and if I don't train us by the spirit of Christ, how to interact and forgive, then first you will have a problem with this person, then you'll have a problem with that person, then that, problem, that person have a problem with another person, and before you know it, everybody's split all the time. And the success of this church as a local part of the body of Christ is largely due to the amount of unity we have. And we have a ton in respect to other churches. Yeah. A ton. All they, the board of directors say, we wish we had half of the amount of unity of heart Renew has. Yeah. You got far more people and you do far more than we're able to do because of unity. So not forgiving is not just affecting you, but also affects harmony within the body of Christ. Amen. 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 He says, put it on. If you're God's chosen ones, you need to put on compassionate hearts, 
kindness, humility, meekness, patience. And I love this phrase, bearing with one another. I love that. It says, yes, we know that this person is an inconvenience to your comfort. Yes, we know that you would prefer that they weren't so loud. You would prefer that they were more like you. You would prefer that they responded like you, felt like you, talked like you, saw things the way you see it. But can you bear with one another? Your inability to only mesh well with people like you is a sign of unforgiveness. Like you just started making a list of the kind of people you will fool up with and the kind of people you won't fool up with. And I tell you, that list gets more specific to the day. And in essence, you're going to knock everybody out but you. And rather than learning how to bear with people that are different, you rather learn how to move around people that are different. What a waste of energy. Rather than figuring out how to engage with them and re relate to them, you try to figure out how you can avoid them and not be around them and not talk to them and not work with them. That's not Christ-like. If you look at our small congregation, we have a variety of people. We got people never been churched. People always churched. We got people abused. People never abused. We got people poor. We got people fairly wealthy, all right? We've, we've got young, we've got old. We've got men, we've got women, we've got white, black, New Zealand, Finland, Hispanics. We got, we got people. And everyone has a different story and a different life, very different. And imagine that all these people could still find safety and trust in their pastor, which means you have the ability to do the same. There's no specific person or type of people that you just can't fool up with. Especially if they go here. People are like, I ain't going to fool up with them. I said, that ain't going to work here. Many a times they try for years. Pastor, I just ain't going to fool up with them. No, that's not going to work here. You're going to have to fool up with them. That's not going to work here. Because if I can fool up with them, you can too. That's your brother, your sister. And for the most part, because you had a bad experience in family, this is time for you to learn what loyalty means, yeah. even when they hurt you. Yeah. I know we're going to get to the idea of hurt in just a second, but forgiveness still remains as a must. Okay? All right. Amen. Okay. Forgiveness can help free you from the control of the other person. It promotes unity within the body of Christ. There's a command that you must forgive because the Lord has forgiven you. It's not an option, right? Now, point number two, without forgiveness, we stall the process of moving forward. Without forgiveness, we stall the process of moving forward. I know you're thinking, I'm moving forward. Only because you have diverted your attention to your degree, to your job, to your boyfriend, to your girlfriend. Hello, somebody. But you still have not moved forward in the area of that offense. That's 
I'm just going to call it what it is. You said, what I'm going to do from a place of unforgiveness is I'm going to make sure I'll never need anybody like that again. I'm going to work and get all the money that I need. I'm going to make sure I make myself stable. And you don't even recognize that even all of this new focus is just a byproduct of your unforgiveness. I said, because there are people just all around, men and women, that are only motivated to do good by emotion. Like, you just can't do right because it's right. No, you got to have some type of emotional trigger. You know, that's people that like to procrastinate. That's you. All my procrastinators, yeah, that's you. You need emotion to do what is right. You need somebody to be mad at so you can start working out. Oh, I'm going to get fine. You ain't going to make me feel about, bad about not having no money. I'm about to work overtime. <laughs> I'm still going to get that money. <laughs> and you swear you've moved on. No, you haven't. You've just put your attention on something else because of your unforgiveness. It stalls your ability or your process of moving forward. The choice to forgive, and that's what it is, releases the offense to God to do with it what he wills. Oh, y'all don't want to help me today. I don't want to help me today. Without forgiveness, we stall the process of moving forward. The choice to forgive releases the offense to God to do with it what he wills. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that for those who love God, uh, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. All things, that offense, that horrific pain, that unmentionable trauma. If you don't choose to forgive, you are stalling your process to move forward and you won't release that offense to God to do what he wants to do with it. No, you think you know what's best to do with it. I need to remember so it won't happen again. And I need to remember so nobody would do that. They will still do it to you. People will still hurt you. What you think you is? Superman? Invincible? You are not. The only thing you can do is trust God that if you release it to him, he will make something good come from it. Yeah. Holding it on for yourself so you can learn a lesson. Still not good enough. I'm going to learn something. Then what? You went to class. You still made Fs. That don't mean nothing. Oh, I'm going to learn something. I'm going to figure out what, I, what God wants me to learn. Nothing. He wants you to turn it over to him. Because no one trusts in your intellect. No one. I'm trying to figure out what God wants me to learn. Nothing. Turn it over to him and he will reveal. He'll make it very plain. You ain't got to figure it out. But the idea that you need to learn something is why you want to constantly remember and not forgive. Because you need to keep mulling it over. And before you know it, now the negative thoughts crowd out any Y'all don't want to help me. Now you got more negative thoughts about everything in that area and this, that, and that, and that, and that, and that. And, that. and when people say you're bitter, you're like, I ain't bitter. There's some things you just got to take other people's opinion on. Okay? Because nobody wants to call you bitter. No, no, no. 
Okay, let's say the third, per third party, okay? Minister Hudson and Mama Jean got into it, all right? Had nothing to do with me. They come to me after years, I'd be like, well, y'all bitter. If they go, no, we ain't. Okay, now you're gonna have to trust the third party that is saying this because no one has a desire, third party. I have no hat in the game. I'm telling you that that is bitterness and it does not profit me anything to, dis to disclose this to you. Yeah. But you could be very much so blinded to what is happening in you. You very much so. You need to find somebody you trust that be like, will you tell me the truth? Maybe somebody spiritual that could tell you the truth with wisdom. Maybe guide you along once you hear that truth and what to do with it. Yeah. I don't know. But you should probably trust that person. Yes. If anything, you know, I, I would benefit better by make, telling you everything you want to hear. Because then you'll be, you'll like me more. You'll give us more money. And we can do more things with it to better the, the kingdom of Christ. So if I have to tell you something you don't want to hear, why? 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 I don't like arguing. I am my dad's daughter. We like to have fun. We like to let stuff go, crack a couple jokes, enjoy the day. Do you understand? Why do I want to spend five hours trying to make you feel bad and have a conversation about stuff that you don't like? Thus wasting my day. Now my day, I have, I have used a part of my day to engage in all of the negative feelings that you are having. And you think this is something somebody chooses to do? If they did, it's because they love you. Because most people say, if you don't get away from me with all that negativity. Get away from me with all that negativity. And then you pass, like, come on, bring that negativity here. Let's see what's going on. I don't, you don't be knowing. Even if I don't know, I'm the best help you got. Yeah. That part. Yeah. <laughs> that part. <laughs> that part. All right, let's move on. Without forgiveness, we stall the process of moving forward. The choice to forgive releases the offense to God to do with it what he wills. Y'all doing all right? Don't take a deep, just take deep breaths. Just take deep breaths, just deep cleansing breaths. Point number three. Understanding the depths of our sins allows us to understand the depths of God's forgiveness and his love. It is hard for us to forgive others because it is hard for us to accept forgiveness and what is hard for us to accept forgiveness is not because we don't think we've done something wrong. It's because we have shallowed out the extent of our wrongdoing. Oh, I deal with people like this all the time. Gabrielle, can I use you as an example? Most, most of the battles I had for the people, for the people. <laughs> most of the battles I've had with uh, Gabrielle in her early years here had more to do with her wanting to not be that wrong. And your resistance to not be that wrong is a byproduct of your inability to receive love. Because if you really receive love, 
then perfect love cast out all fear so that you would know that I could completely be as wrong. I mean, I could be the scum of the earth in this situation and your love for me will not change. But because you don't know that, there's only a certain level of wrong you could be. No, no, I, I can't be that. And this, is, uh, this also means that when somebody else shows you through their actions a very core level nastiness, that you judge them as that. No, you're just a liar. No, you're just evil. No, you're just mean. No, you're just lazy. No, you're just, you're just, you see their nasty core problem and you judge them and label them as such, which means you cannot allow something core and nasty to be seen of you because you know that's not really who you are. But if you would have forgave the other person and recognized that you could see a core evil in someone and it not be who they really are, then you could also receive it for yourself and not feel like you have to shallow out your wrongdoing. But you can let it be as deep and as foul as it can go. As foul as it can go. I do it all the time with the Lord. And it's easy with him because I know he's going to love me regardless. I'm like, Lord, I stepped on that person's foot, and I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do it. Holy Spirit said, but you didn't mean not to. You're absolutely right. It was inconsiderate of me. I was careless. I considered my own feelings and what I had going on that day and not theirs. It was selfish. It was egocentric. And, and I just, like, just take it all the way down to the bottom. Yeah. And he says, I forgive you. And I'm like, all right, let's go. I don't ever say, well, I just didn't mean to. It was just an accident. Mm -mm. Uh-uh. 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 No. Because even if something is just an accident, you will still feel bad. And the solution to not feeling bad is not to keep repeating how you didn't mean for it to happen. The solution is to actually repent. But in order to truly repent, you have to identify with the root of that thing, what it really is. I don't like when people apologize just because they did something wrong. No, can you understand what you did wrong? Yeah. Why I felt it? Yeah. What it felt like? Then I hear your apology as sincere. I'm just hard, sorry I hurt you. If you, were, if you were offended by what I said, if I was offended by what you just <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot There is no need for anyone, to, I don't expect people to be perfect, but I expect you to be loving. Like you can make a mistake, but when your mistake offends someone, can you identify with their pain? Yeah. That's it. That's all anybody ever wants. You don't have to be perfect, but can you see what it felt like when it happened to me? And can you identify with that? So when you say you're sorry, you can say, I can see how you felt. That wasn't my intention. It's no excuse, but I'm so sorry. Yeah. Empathy. Yeah. Exactly it. You don't have to be perfect, but you have to have the Christian basics of empathy. Do you understand? All right. Let's look at a, a, a text that, that reveals how we can shallow our sin. Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. We're going to skip around within that selection. Luke chapter 7, beginning at verse 36. We'll skip around to the end of the chapter. 
one of the Pharisees asked him, Jesus, to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner. When she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box flask, excuse me, an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, say it, teacher. <laughs> a certain money lender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with your tears and wiped them with her, with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. The kissing of feet is a sign of honor and respect, acknowledgement. This man, the Pharisee Simon's actions in bringing Jesus into his home revealed that he did not truly accept the Christ, but had a form of repudiation for him and the woman of rejection. I said you can come in, but I won't. I don't want it to be said that I honored you. I don't, I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean, I let you, I talk to you, but I don't want it to be said that I really fool up with you. I said, good morning, but I don't want it to be said that I'm not still angry with you. You know, hey, you got to still show signs. They be like, good morning. You be like, good morning. I mean, I said, good morning. Do you remember? I saw you were still throwing them shade. I had to throw them shade because I'm not even with that. They need to know I'm not even with that. It has to be seen and demonstrated that you have not forgiven that person. And you like it like that. You want other people to see it. Just to torment that person. That's the only reason. Because you like control. Because their offense made you feel like you had no control. And so now you feel like you have to have control by making everybody else look at them in some sort of way. Because of your lack of forgiveness. How does Pastor know all these things? Because I watch y'all. And I am y'all. <laughs> done it too <laughs> for shame <laughs> the temptation to shallow our sins shallows God's love he tells Simon if you if you've been forgiven of much then you love much and if you've been forgiven of little then you love little the idea is that there is not a much and a little of sin there's a much and a little of your reception of your sin but it's all great. But you want to allow that to be you. 
You won't allow that to be said of you because that's, that's really not me and I don't want people to think that that's really the kind of person that I am. So I know I couldn't have done it for that reason and I know I couldn't have done it for that reason and I know I couldn't have done it for that because I'm not even like that and I don't even think like that. You do, you do, you do, you do, you do because every tree bears its own fruit. You cannot bear oranges to try to convince me it's apples because you say so. Own that your action reveals that. Own it. Don't try to go around it. Deepen and allow the depth of your sin to truly be seen so that the depth of your repentance might truly be seen. So the depth of God's forgiveness might truly be seen and the depth of his love might be received. You need to know that he will love you no matter how foul you are. That's good. And no matter how oftenly foul you are. That's good, like I just did that. Yeah, you just did it again. Now own it. Admit it at its core level, the depth of that sin, that you might feel the depth of his forgiveness and receive the true depth of his love. But because you keep it shallow, then now all of a sudden God's love is shallow. And now you start making judgment calls on other people and how they ain't right. And they just the kind of person that always does that. And that's why I don't fool up with people that are like that. And now you start distancing yourself from everybody else that you see core problems with. Hello, somebody. And when you notice those core problems in yourself, you say, surely that can't really be the thing. Surely that was just a demon. Surely I really do forgive. Surely I really didn't let that go. And you got to shallow it out even though your actions say miles more. Your actions reveal it. Quit telling me otherwise. I can't judge what's in your heart if I don't see it. But when I see it, I can tell you what's in your heart. For out of the abundance of the heart, what? Trying to tell me it's something else is just you trying to shallow out your sin. Because a part of you still has a bit of self-righteousness. But if that can't be called among me because I don't even like people that do that. And I don't even think that's my heart. I'm not even that type of person. Well, you are that day. You are that type of person at that moment. But it's God's grace that says he does not label you a sinner, but charges it to your flesh. You can't accept that, can you? No, because you got self-righteousness. You got to be right. Right? Far be it for the rest of us to only be the ones that got to accept the forgiveness. Because we such terrible people, we always got to accept the forgiveness. But not me. I'm really not that much of a terrible person. For the most part, I'm pretty good. Are you? Are you just not letting the depth of your sin hit? Because in a minute, the fruit's going to show. And if I be your pastor, I'm going to tell you. Because I'm watching. I watch for your soul according to scripture. I ain't looking away. No, I'm watching you. Why you see that? I see it. You always think you see something that ain't there. (laughs) I wish I didn't. What amazes me is that you still can't see it, and it's with you. (laughs) It's very rare by the the Spirit of God, and that's his grace and mercy, that I'm wrong. You know why it's so rare? It's not because I'm so good. God is good, and he made a very foolproof system. Fruit. Fruit. I don't have to know what's going on in you. All I have to know is 
that looks like an orange. So thus it came from a hmm, orange tree. It's not rocket science, real simple. Real simple. Now, -uh, technically it's not, technically it's an orange. And that's an orange tree. That's it, that's all I gotta do, right? And to assist, I might help you to dissect. This is an orange, and even though you thought it was a limon, it is not. It is an orange, and this is why, and this is how, and then this is the tree that it came from, and this is the leaves that's on that tree, and this is the branch, and this is the trunk, and this is the root. The temptation to shallow our sins shallows our reception of God's love. Huh? The temptation to shallow our sins shallows our reception of God's love. We can't receive it. And inadvertently, we continue the pattern that in order to be loved and accepted, I have to do right. And there's no worse torment under the face of the earth than to live like that. That's torment, which he freed us from. He freed, you could, you could be terrible and I'm gonna love you. And you could do the same thing wrong every time and I'm still gonna love you. When you hear that, you instinctively want to stop. But when you don't allow it to be the depth of the sin, because you can't afford for that thing to really be labeled as who you are, then you inadvertently say that his forgiveness does not apply to you in this area. Why? Because I knew better and I didn't do better. Because I should have said this and I didn't say that because it's happened last time and I should. And you got all these reasons as to why you're rejecting the outpouring of his love. Whether it's self-righteousness, pride, or you just keep your, yourself on that cycle that says I got to do good things. For God to love me. And we could preach the gospels against that all together, all the time, but you won't be able to really receive it. Yeah. You'll, still you'll still live contrary to that. Yeah. So what if you just let that sin be as foul as it is and, let it, and see it as often as it shows up, only to find that his blood still works. Yeah. And it goes from the highest mountain to the what? To the lowest valley. And that's you, baby. And then you realize, I don't know why he loves me, but I'm so glad. Amen. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. And from that posture, you try to do better. From the posture, I just want to bless you. I'm trying to find a way to bless you. You know what I could do? I could stop doing that. That's number one. Versus, I got to stop doing that. I got to stop doing that because I don't want God to never love me. I don't want God to reject me. I got to stop doing that. I don't want, I got to stop doing that because he's going to mess up my life. I'm going to lose my job because I know the consequences he's going to bring to my life. They're going to be so bad and I ain't going to never have nothing. He probably ain't going to let me get married. Then I'm always going to have this. You just keep going and going and going and going. And all you have is a work salvation. Who would have thought that your lack of forgiveness affects your salvation? The Lord did. So you can't be saved without forgiving. Now you can see how they're directly connected. Because then you make your life and salvation a matter of works and deed. Amen. Take a deep breath. 
Amen? Forgiving others is a priority for spiritual health. Forgiving others is a priority for spiritual health. Just write these verses down for time's sake and go to them on your own. I'll read them. You have to prioritize forgiving others for a healthy spiritual life. That's Mark eleven twenty five. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your father in heaven will forgive your sins too. He says, when you are praying, first forgive anyone that you're holding a grudge. First. First. Not once you list your pain, not once you list how you didn't like it, not once you start praying for your grandmom and everybody else on your prayer list. He says, before first, you need to forgive. That needs to be the first thing you do. Then, then we can pray. Then we can talk. But that seems right. Right? It seems right. If I was a parent and my kid punched another kid, and they came to me and said, hey, Ma, I made you a picture. What? First, first, first what you need to do is go apologize to your brother. Yeah. First, do you understand? Because whoever you're mad at is still God's creation, if not God's child. Yeah. Yes. Do you understand that? Yes. Exactly. He loved them just like he loved you. Imagine that. You couldn't even imagine that, could you? Because they're so foul. You couldn't imagine how even God could love them. He loves them equally. Equally. And that's hard to hear, especially if the offense was real trauma and real abuse. I know that I'm not making light of that. That is hard to swallow, but it is true. Because behind every evil person is some other evil deed or other evil act that was behind that and behind that and behind that and behind that. Do you understand? So at some point we all go, a lot of what we do is a consequence of something else that was done before. Because this is time. Because we live in time. A sequence of events. Do you understand? So you're going to have to accept that even that terrible pain that God still loves that person. He does. And you still have to forgive, even though you can't understand why God loves them because the amount of pain they caused you. Do you understand? But then have you ever responded to somebody out of your pain? And what if your response out of your pain is somebody else's prayer that God says they have to forgive you? You've abused someone else. And now you're at the top of their forgive list. That God is saying they have to forgive you. All right, number five. To forgive, you have to accept other people are imperfect. (laughs) I know, I know. To forgive, you have to accept that other people are imperfect. And I know you think I do. No, you don't. Because the next thing out of your mouth is, I would never. But I thought you understood people are imperfect. 
if the next thing you say in your defense when you're telling your homegirl or your homeboy what happened, because I don't even know why they did it, because I wouldn't even do that to nobody. I'm not even like you, not even like you wouldn't even. Oh, so you can't understand the variety of imperfections? Like people can only be imperfect in the same ways you're imperfect. They can't, there's not a variety of imperfections. There are. A ton. You know how I know? Because I got some and I pastored some. A variety of imperfections. But we all look and go, what is wrong with you? And they go, what's wrong with you? I don't know. I guess we both crazy. Exactly. Exactly. I guess we both a mess. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Because the minute you're going to the other person, I can't believe they, I wouldn't even, shut up. You would. You would. Because it's human. There's nobody doing something that is so not human. It floats in us. With dip, you're just waiting on opportunity, connections, and a little bit of environment, and who knows? Do you understand? Who knows? Who knows? It's present. Yes? All right, let's look at, uh, you can write it down, Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Colossians 3 and 13 says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord <laughs> forgave you. You must forgive others. People are like, the Bible say that? Yes. <laughs> make allowance. Give room. You go into a friendship, they be like, because I can't. Oh, this is what people, I love when people do this to me, as, they, as our newfound pastoral relationship. CC, I'm going to use you as an example. As a newfound pastoral relationship, they come to me with a lot of hurts, and they tell me up front, Pastor, I don't know if I could take it if you did that to me. I said, well, I might. <laughs> I don't even say, I would never. I don't know. I might. I hope I don't, but I might. But the goal of our relationship it's not for me to appear perfect in your eyes. The goal of our relationship is to strengthen you so much in the love of Christ that even if I hurt you, you will be all right. That's my job. To strengthen you so that no matter what happens, your love for Christ is there and evident so that you remain strong no matter who it is that hurt you and no matter what type of hurt it was. Not to appear imperfect. Like I'm, a, I'm the perfect pastor. I, I'm not. I will probably. Whatever it is you don't want me to do, it's a possibility I might do it. Okay? Some very slim. 0.999999. And some, probably tomorrow. Probably going to do it tomorrow. <laughs> probably. Amen? Yeah. Often people say, Pastor, you don't, you don't, you don't. He's like, you're good at everything. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just so good at moving on. Yeah. I'm just really good at moving on that you, you don't see me sit in it for too long. Yeah. Do you, you remember when I signed that terrible book last year? Yeah. That horrible book that everybody was like, Pastor? And some members were like, why would Pastor do that to us? She loves us. She would not give us a bad book. And I had to go up and say, I did. I gave y'all a bad book. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I've made a lot of mistakes like this, but I own it. I ask the Lord to forgive me. I ask you to forgive me. And I'm on to something else and assigning you the next book. Oh, well, here go the next one. Hope this one is better. You don't recognize it because I don't stew in it. 
I understand that I'm imperfect. I understand that I'm an imperfect human being trying to pastor imperfect people perfectly, and that is not going to happen. So I anticipate a ton of mistakes. So you might as well get ready to say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Whether I meant to do it, didn't mean to do it, whether I should have known better, didn't know better, for all the reasons, I'm sorry, this is going to happen. You're crazy to think that you could actually love somebody and not hurt them a lot. You really did. You thought you did. I'm out. I won't be hurting people a lot. <laughs> uh, uh, ain't you funny? No, you just don't give any credence to their hurt. And that's worse. That's worse. You don't feel like they have the right to be hurt or they should be hurt because it's not something that would hurt you. That's all Stein. Number six, true forgiveness means we are not going to bring it up again. Oh, the blood. This is probably the best way to identify you have not forgiven. Psalms 103, verses 11 through 12, says, for, God's un- his, for his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from the east is from the west. I'm bring it up no more. A true sign of forgiveness is that you don't bring it up. I told you it's not your level of forgiveness. Because let's think about all the reasons why you would bring it up. One, you think that you can fix that person. Now, I bring up y'all stuff quite often, but that's my job, to notice your patterns. Do you understand? But when you personally offend me, I most of the time forget that. You be like, you remember that time, Pastor? They be like, don't say that. Oh, my God. I be like, I don't even remember. Shut up. Don't tell her. She don't remember it. Don't even even bring it up. I love to forget the stuff that y'all do personally that hurts because I love loving you. I enjoy being in a relationship with you. And because I enjoy that, I don't want to remember those things, nor do I think it's helpful. It's not a protective blanket for me. And you've got to get out of the idea that remembering something that someone's done to you is somehow going to help keep you safe. That's good, Pastor. That's good. It's a lie. It's a lie. Because perfect love casts out all fear. fear. Now you can't even receive any of that good love. None of it. So I love to forget things. But that's what you're supposed to do. I pray I forget. As soon as you do, I'm sorry, but I can't wait to forget this. And it does. Most of the time it works. I love it. Because it's a sign that I have truly forgiven somebody. When even if you did something like it, the last time you did it, it does not come straight to my mind. That's a good feeling. You like it. I mean, I'm not saying you did, but if it was you, well, it has been you. Don't you like it? I like it too. We like this in our relationship. You're not doing it just for your salvation. It makes relationships better. 
I'm so glad you don't remember that. Me too. I don't, what you, I don't, even, don't even remember. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> Hello? Yes. Have you having a hard time not bringing it up? Are you having a hard time not saying it, how they did that same thing? How they did the same thing. They said they, they wasn't going to do it. They did it again. You're having a hard time letting that go. That means you have not forgiven. There's no if, you can't go around that. If you forgave, then this event has nothing to do with the last. Because people are imperfect. And they can do the same thing and the same mistake over and over and over again. Not because they're evil, but because they are human. You understand? Just because they're human. Now, if someone keeps making the same mistake, you still have to forgive. But you can choose whether you want to stay in their life or keep them in yours. But forgiveness is not an option for a believer. You have to forgive. But you can make adjustments. Does that make sense? Careful with the adjustments. Because you can hide in those, yeah. all right? And then the adjustments just become pr protective measures, and the protective measures become more bitterness, and it just keeps going back to the things we've already covered. Yeah. Do you understand? Because as soon as somebody affects you, then you say, well, you know what? From now on, I'm not even going to fool up with you. Yeah. I'm going to just push back. I'm going to just get some space. I'm going to just do this. this. If this is your pattern, yeah. then please believe you've never addressed your inability forgive, to forgive. Jesus. You never addressed it. You just feel, you just keep making new changes about how you need to pull back from people. You're going to pull back from everybody. They're going to be like, I don't know why I feel all alone. Really? Really? Everybody you pull back from will be like, I know why. <laughs> I know why. I got an idea why you feel by yourself. I, I can tell you why. I can tell you why. All, all your old friends like, yeah, even since high school, I can tell you. <laughs> People coming up from middle school, y'all, because you wouldn't. I told you one time, you said you wouldn't even play the kickball with me no more. <laughs> so sometimes doing that adjusting is also hiding your inability to forget to forgive. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes, okay. You have a right to make those choices, but you also have to be very careful and responsible to make sure that those choices is not perpetuating unforgiveness. Okay? That's nobody else's job but yours. You got it? All right. Point number seven, we can't limit how many times we will forgive. We can't limit how many times we will forgive. Matthew 18, 21 through 22. It reads, then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Like seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied. But 70 times, seven in a day. Some, some verse say in, a, in one day, 70 times, 70 times. What's 70 times seven? 490? Did I get that right? You're going to offend me 490 times a day. There's only maybe 12 hours of woke time. Do you know how many times within an hour you would have to offend me in one hour hour 
some point, you're just going to be offending me in my sleep. You're going to be kicking me in my sleep or something. I, that's the only way we can get to that number. He's reaching over and just smacking me in. I'm like, ah, no. And one day, this is hard. This is tough. Why is forgiving people that repeatedly do the same thing so hard? One, because we think we could fix them. Two, because we think that we can protect ourselves from them and from this type of pain if we don't forgive and remember. Three, maybe you don't like look, being looking like a fool. You know? I just can't just keep forgiving you. I'm looking like a fool. No, you're going to look like Jesus. And he uses the foolish things to what? To confound the wise. You're going to look like Jesus. You're going to just keep letting them come back. And you're going to say, sorry, you're going to let them just, you're going to still, I'm, I'm, I'm going to forgive them. Over and over and over and over and over again. As if there's no limit. This is true forgiveness. Now, that standard is very high. But it's true. I, 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 in my own experiences, I finally recognized when I ran out of limits to how often I will forgive someone. Because it didn't show up like, no matter what you do or how often you can do it, I will always forgive you. That's not how it showed up. I never, I never said that in myself, ever. No, never. But once they've offended me for the umpteenth time, maybe in the same area, and I'm so angry, and I'm so upset, and then somebody says, but you'll know you'll forgive them. I'd be like, you know what? You know y'all be right as rain by next week. I'll, I'll, and I want to argue against it. I want to say, no, we won't be right as rain in a couple of days. No, we won't. We're not going to be solid in a couple of days. I'm going to remember this and I'm going to hold it up against them. I'm never going to fool up with them again because I'm not going to be looking like a fool. And I realize I probably will. Yeah. I probably, in a couple of days, I probably won't even, I'll probably be like, it's cool. We, we cool again, like in a couple of minutes. And I, and I feel like a fool because that's what I'm doing. I'm not going to let it go. But I realize I do. And that's when I recognize that my forgiveness has no limits. Because now I like the fact that we can be cool in just a minute. I own it. Like, this is good. I like the fact. Well, y'all going to be fine next week, probably, if not sooner. And. <laughs> and. It's Satan that makes you feel like there's something wrong with you in that. But if the Lord is calling you to forgive and he allows you to forgive, then he's the one that protects your peace. Now let the peace of God protect your heart and my, your heart and your heart and mine. Not just your remembrance of how they did you wrong. Protect your heart and mine. So I turn it over to him. I submit that offense to him. He could do whatever he wants to do. And I like the fact that we're going to just go back and have fun like we used to have fun. Because I can't wait for this to be over. But that's how I was when I got spankings. Like <laughs> my mama said, you want a punishment? Uh-uh. Why? Because I feel like every time I'm in the punishment and you look at me, you're going to be mad at me again. <laughs> yeah. This gave me a solid understanding of that people that love you can hurt you and you can still pick up like no nothing ever happened. Yes. And some of us have never lived like that, which is why I'm calling you to the mat today. It's a weakness. Do you understand? Yeah. And it's doable.
not in your own strength, in God's. But it's also doable because you need to recognize you really do love loving people. You ain't that hard. You ain't that only. No, you like having friends. Just admit it. You like, you like having friends. You like having people you can talk to. You like it. And if you like it, then you're going to have to forgive. And you're going to have to forgive a lot. And you're going to have to forgive very often so that you might have some level of relationship with people and not be codependent on one person. Y'all following these old sick relationships because you're covetous. That's mine. That's only for me. You can't be friends with nobody else. Just mine. Don't be telling them. Why are you telling me that? Why are you tell me? Let me tell them. It just, why you got to? Why? Why? Because you have a hard time making relationships with others. So then you find other people that have a hard time making relationships with others. And then y'all got your own little two-person clique. You got your own two-person relationship click. Understand? And then y'all understand why that thing went foul. Like, y'all had a relationship that married people are supposed to have. Or it's just us and they the them. Do you know how dangerous that is? It's dangerous even in a marriage. My dad had to have homeboys he could talk to. My mom had to have friends she could talk to, and it kept them healthy. Because the minute you feel like the only person I could ever talk to is you, you are done. You're done. You might as well give them your whole life because you are now their puppet. It is a good, solid homeboy that a man has on the outside of a relationship, that when him and his girl is arguing, he goes to his homeboys, his homeboys be like, man, bump that man, she always talking about stuff, that's why I don't be like women, he come back to you, that's why I don't be like why you be doing that stuff, he got a new sense of confidence about how wrong you are, and it just balances the relationship out, do you understand? Because he ain't a pushover, why he ain't a pushover? Because he got a whole bunch of friends, like, man, that's messed up, you be like, oh, now you go, no, no, you, you. you know, now y'all got good, good, healthy resistance towards one another. Similarly, if a woman, she don't have no good girlfriend, she just, I, I just left all them because all I need is a man, okay? Because I got a man. I ain't single no more. You don't even hang out with your girls. You don't talk to your girls no more. You know, you don't even, I, I wasn't even that close to her in the first place. That's why I can date her boyfriend. You know, just a whole bunch of stuff. And I try to tell people, it's, it's sisters before missus. They didn't understand why. I said, because if you get in that relationship, hello, and you ain't got no good friends on the outside, and he the only one you can talk to on the inside, when he tell you you stupid, you're going to feel stupid. When, you tell, when he tell you you ugly, you're going to feel ugly. When he tell you you ain't no good, you're going to feel you ain't no good. But if he tell you you stupid, and you go tell your homegirl, do you believe this man told me I was stupid? She go, oh, no, he did. Oh, he the stupid one. You ain't stupid. And you're going to go back to that conversation, and y'all going to have good, healthy resistance. Have some confidence. Y'all got have some good, healthy conflict. I ain't stupid. You the stupid one. Ain't that right? Yep, yep, that's what she said. Your friend ain't even there, but they like, yep. Tell them. The people that say, you'll be having all your friends in our relationship. Shut up. Number one, my friends are my friends before you. You the new one. We have been evaluating you.
You the new one. Men get girlfriends in this church. I don't know why you got to always talk, listen to your pastor. <laughs> I was here before you. You're the new one. We are evaluating you, dear ma'am. I knew him without wanting anything from him. You want something from him. We collectively are evaluating you. Plain and simple. Uh, duh. off my friends because I got a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife. Uh-uh. 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 Even if you don't do it intentionally, you start making that person your whole world. And that means everything they do or say affects you so great that you can't even live your own life. That's not normal. That's not normal. You need somebody not in a relationship like, stupid. Let's go. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You need people that you got to lie to. So y'all back together again? No, we're not. We're not. This is healthy. This is healthy. This means that you value the opinion of your homeboys. You know what I'm saying? But you also know I can't lose this girl. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, we ain't. We, no, nah, man, we ain't even that much together. Who's calling you? That ain't. I, you know, she always calling me. You know what I'm saying? I don't even know why. I don't even know what. This is healthy. And I'll be telling everybody our business, tell somebody. Tell somebody. Because that's abuse waiting to happen. Tell somebody. Love should never be hidden. I ain't saying you got to embarrass nobody. But whoever you get up with, you know, your, your marriage and stuff, you be like, this is my friend. They be like, I like your friends. Good. Because they're your, they your, your committee. <laughs> <laughs> they're your committee. You like my friends? Good. Okay, just know, even, even when they say something you don't like, they're your, they your committee. These are the people I'm going to tell all the stuff that you think I'm not telling to. And I'm going to promise you I'm not telling them, but I am. I am, I am, I am. I am. And you need me to tell them because it keeps me sane. But so you won't feel bad in their presence. I'm going to tell you I ain't tell them. And they ain't going to let you know that they know because they solid. It's us. That's healthy because abuse hides in secrecy. If you can't tell nobody what's going on, what you trying to do to me? If I can't tell nobody we dating, what are you doing? Yeah. Well, I don't want everybody in our business. Too much pressure. If it can't handle that, we, we can't, the relationship can't stand no way. Yeah. If it can't handle that. Right. Do you understand? Yeah. Mm. Let me move on because I don't use my time on that. And I wasn't supposed to be using my time on that. Hey, forgiveness does not mean ignore or suppress. Forgiveness does not mean ignore or suppress. 
Luke chapter 17, verses 3 and 4 say, Luke 17, verses 3 and 4 state, if another believer sins, rebuke that person. Then if there is repentance, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive. If a believer sins against you, okay, they didn't, sins, that sins, sins against you, you must forgive, right? Off the top, primarily, do you see that? But you forgive after you brought it to their attention. When you have to tell, you have to be prepared to tell someone how they've hurt you first. And also, in that understanding, I'm going to tell you how you hurt me, I'm also prepared to forgive. And now I'm prepared to forgive whether you say sorry or not. I'm prepared to forgive whether you understand or not because this forgiveness frees me. And the only reason I'm telling you is just in case you desire to have a closer, more intimate relationship with me, but it is not necessary. Do you understand? It's not necessary. You don't tell people just because you can get off your chest. Uh, you do not want everybody doing that to you. You know how I many people, how terrible your day would be if everybody came and told you every little thing that you did that they did not like? Yep. You'd be miserable. You better be glad some people have some social, you know, coof, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, you need to tell me if I got a burger in my nose, and you need to tell me if I stink. You need to tell me if my breath stink. You need to tell me if my underarm stink. Your breath stink. Your underarm stink. Hey, you got a booger in your nose. Your shoes don't match. Your, your colors is off. Your, your clothes is, is trashy. Why you got such a bad attitude? You'd be like, oh, my God. What is this, hate on me day? <laughs> Too many bad things go wrong in your day. You be like, what is happening? Right, so we don't do it. But Pastor, why don't you don't tell them? Because I, desire, I don't desire to have a closer relationship. That's why I don't tell them. Why don't you just tell them how they hurt you? I don't desire to have a closer relationship. That is not necessary. I can forgive without them ever knowing about it. It's not a necessity. I understand that people are imperfect. I'm imperfect. I have to come tell you in order for me to forgive you. I got to let this off my chest. I got to vent. No, I don't. If I ever bring something to you that affected me personally, it's because I desire a closer relationship. Wow, that's good. Similarly, if you find out later that you did something that I didn't like and I never said nothing, there's your sign. I do not, I like our relationship right where it is. Well, we don't, she don't say that kind of stuff to me. Exactly. And I like where we are. Does that make sense? But I'm not going to just pick fights unnecessarily. I don't want to be closer. I don't want you in my business like that. I don't want to be in your business like that. I'm good on the friend side. It's not like that. So you can offend me and I'm like, it's cool on my inside. You never even have to know. Hello? All right. Forgiveness doesn't mean you suppress or ignore. Doesn't require ignoring the fact that a wrong has been done. You can call out a wrong and still be ready to forgive. You can call out a wrong and still be ready to forgive. Hey, I, 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 I didn't do me right. 
I'm sorry, locate in. And sometimes you say sorry quick, and sometimes I say okay quick, because we still at a nine. But it doesn't mean it's not genuine. Do you understand? Well, I'm sorry. Well, okay. I mean, it's received, but it just happened so fast. We reconciled so quick that we didn't have a chance to bring our tone down. You That's a good relationship right there. That means we both are so ready and eager to reconcile that we, don't, we, we didn't have a chance to bring our tone down. Well, I, I don't like when you did that. Well, I'm sorry then. Well, okay then. We, we click. Do you understand? This person, y'all get together real good. Because you ain't got to bring it down. They be like, well, you don't sound like you forgive me. Well, I really, I'm sorry. I'm so, let me say it differently. All right. All right, let's do some application here. I mean, you've had some, but I want to give you, leave you today with a way that you could really apply this more concretely in your life. Amen? Just the last one, I promise. Take a deep breath. We're on the home stretch, guys. Deep cleansing breath. You're doing real good. You're doing better than I thought you were doing. You're doing real good. Doing real good. I know in a lot of ways we're laughing to keep from crying, but there are real hurts behind these things. But you have to take courage and forgive. To be a Christian takes a lot of courage because we allow ourselves to be vulnerable. Do you understand? That takes courage. All right? It takes strength. Because you know you're going to get hurt. You're just running out there. Hey! They're like, punk, what? Because <laughs> they was raised, you got to watch, you know. Keep your head on a swivel. You'll be like, hey. Get the snot beat out of you. Yes, you will. But you take courage and you have a great healer. Hebrews 12, verses 14 through 17. Let's go to this one. It's our last verse for today. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 through 17. I love how we distract ourselves from forgiveness by saying we've moved on so we can focus on other things. And the things we focus on are a direct correlation to the lack of control we felt when we were offended. <laughs> but it's not terrible. I mean, some bad emotions have great results. You know, at least that month you're a little bit healthier. <laughs> at least that month you work a little bit of overtime. You know, but that still doesn't equate to forgiveness. Just so we're clear. You know, you forgive if you don't have to bring it up. You know, you forgive if you can actually forget. These are all true signs of forgiveness. Are you there at Hebrews? Verse 14 through 17, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Look at that last sentence. Though he sought it with tears. 
the heart of Esau was seen in that moment. The agony of what he gave up, the pain of his mistake was seen in those tears. That's the same Esau that sold his birthright in the first place. The same person. This noble understanding of the birthright and responsibility and the gift was present. He was the same Esau that said, what difference does it make if I'm getting ready to die? Same person. Do you understand? What I try to get you to recognize is we know that when you're making bad choices, that there's a real you on the inside. All right? That's never in question. The problem is that we can also say by the Spirit of God, you are making a very dangerous mistake that could cost you something that fits perfectly with your insides. It could cost you something. The thing about Esau, when he finally repented, his father was like, ain't nothing I could do. It's done. I'm not undoing it. It's not, but I'm so sorry. We know. And I'm sorry about it. I'm really sorry. But that's it. The answer is no. But why can't you see my heart? We saw your heart. We're not saying you were one evil person here and now you've learned your lesson here. You were the same. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. That's, the, that's a minor point. Let's go back up. I love how the verse says in Hebrews that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. And by it, many become defiled. Then it goes on to talk about this type of defilement, whether it's sexual or immorality or just unholiness, like not valuing uh, the idea that, that you can be holy like God is holy, like Christ is holy. Um, it's a devaluing of that relationship and position that God has given you as one of his children. But he also equates that to, on the same level, of sexual immorality. And it made me go, you're trying to tell me that for believers, sexual immorality stems from a place of unforgiveness? Let's check it and see. Let's check it and see. Let's check it and see. Did I sleep with this person because ultimately I needed to feel loved and I have not felt loved and I have not forgiven the person that I broke my heart and I didn't feel loved? Am I sleeping with this person because I'm mad that this other person broke my heart and hurt me and won't come back? Hmm. Am I sleeping with this person because at the end of the day, everybody keeps telling me I ain't nothing, I ain't good for nothing anyway, so I might as well? Am I sleeping with this person because I'm mad that they fired me from my job and I have no means of income and my baby's got to eat, so therefore I'm mad and I need to? It is amazing how the root of all bitterness can include, I mean, could, could reveal even sexual morality. I'm mad that God won't give me a mate and a spouse, so I've got to take actions into my own hands. I'm mad that I had to be single so long. I'm mad that I had to get divorced. I'm mad that I had to break up. I'm mad that the pastor, she don't even like the person I was dating. I'm mad, no, 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 no. I can't forgive the people in my childhood. I can't forgive my adult relationship partners, 
I can't forgive the lack of relationship partners. I can't forgive the lack of experience. I can't forgive my cult leader. I can't forgive my old pastor. I can't forgive my old boyfriend. I can't forgive my old girlfriend. I can't forgive the girl that I wanted and she didn't want me. I can't forgive, so now I'm gonna run through these girls like nobody's business. I can't forgive that. And it's just constant, 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 constant. Who would have thought that for believers, just unforgiveness could cost so much? Even to the point where you give up the things that were perfectly fit for you out of a place of unforgiveness. You move to a whole new city. Leave the church altogether. A church that was perfect, perfectly built for you. And you can't stay because you can't forgive the person in the pew beside you. And you can't let that go. And how dare they even fool up with that person. And I don't know why everybody being their friend because they did me so wrong. You can't forgive. And so you've got to go from a place that was perfectly fit just for you. Giving up your Esau birthrights. Because you can't seem to forgive. I like how the scripture uses the term root of bitterness. And that the root of bitterness has these other things that grow from it that spring up. So bitterness and unforgiveness, these grudge holdings, those are the roots of other things that spring up. Of other sins and defilements that spring up. Whether you can't forgive God, whether you can't forgive what happened to you, whether you can't forgive the pain, the offense, the carelessness of someone, the coldness of another person, no matter how deeply painful it was, it's still bitterness. Do you understand? And that feeds, because that's what roots do. Roots supply nourishment to the thing that is growing. Y'all don't want to help me today. So you've got to remember how bad it hurt in order to unbutton that dress. You've got to remember how, hurt, how bad it hurt in order to take them pants off. you got to remember how bad it was, how mad you are, how you never liked that, how you never understood that. How this doesn't make any sense, but I can't seem to let that go. Those roots feed all of that. It's the roots that feed it. Now, even if you cut it down to a stump, as long as that root remains, y'all don't want to help me today. You can cut it down to the surface level, real shallow. Y'all don't want to help me today. You can do a real shallow sin. You can do a, a real shallow forgiveness. But if that root is still there, every once in a while, that thing going to spring up. It's going to spring up in this sin. It's going to spring up in that sin. You're going to be vaping. You're going to be smoking. You're going to be doing crack. You're going to be doing marijuana. You're going to be drinking all the time. You're going to be overeating, oversexing, lying, watching porn. It will spring up. The root of bitterness feeds these things. It doesn't matter what they are. It feeds them. Just because you cut it down to the surface, if it's not uprooted, do you understand? Or dried out, it could spring up again. So then, I want to leave you with this exercise I do for myself, okay? All right, not to say I've arrived at these things, but these are the things that I practice. All right. When I see sin spring up, 
whatever it is in my life, I go back and I check what was feeding it. The path, what was feeding it? Was it, uh, was it discouragement? Was it loneliness? Was it frustration? Was it hopelessness? For me currently, was it my grief? What was feeding that, that plant that I saw of sin and defilement? Now that I know what was feeding it, I can also say how it got there. Because the roots is just the avenue, the channels to which the things that feed the plant grow. So what carries, what carries the discouragement? What carries, come on now, what carries the anger? What carries the frustration? What carries the bitterness? What carries these things? Thoughts. 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 That's why when people fall away, and when I mean fall away, they commit sin. I always ask, what were you thinking? And I don't mean it sarcastically. I mean at a very real level. Tell me, not out of judgment, not out of condemnation, but as a friend, tell me your thought pattern just before you did this. I wasn't thinking. Mm -mm, You were. You were. You were always thinking. Because you don't have Tourette's. I mean, you, you, didn't, you, didn't, you didn't Tourette sex, you know. Oh, I don't know what happened. We, oh, sex. No, you, you didn't. You know you had thoughts. Yeah. It may be true that you have not dissected what it is. You hadn't slowed down because you just went from sin to guilt to shame. So you come to my office, and I slow you down. And I say, but tell me the thoughts you were having. Mm-hmm. Whatever you're going to tell me is normal. Whatever you're going to say is human. Whatever you're going to say is not so evil, so horrible, so disgusting. I'm like, oh, my God, I never saw that before. I've seen it before. And we can still uproot it. We can still starve it. But we have to identify that there is a root and not just cut it at the surface. Your thoughts feed It takes the nutrients into that sin. Your thoughts continue to make you feel discouraged. Your thoughts continue to make you feel lonely. Your thoughts continue to make you feel angry. Your thoughts continue to make you feel frustrated. Your thoughts continue to make you feel by yourself. Your thoughts continue. They are all your thoughts. If you want to uproot the things that just spring up sin, seemingly out of nowhere, then deal with the root system. Do you understand? I can't remove discouragement. Do you understand? Okay, come on. You remember, this is the thing that feeds it, but how it gets to it is the root system. I cannot remove discouragement from your life. I cannot remove anger. I cannot remove frustration. I cannot remove times, or can God remove times of loneliness? But we can drive out the roots that feed the sin. We can acknowledge, yeah, that really hurts. And my grief, if you're around me, I say, that sucks. If you sit with me long enough, you'll see tears well up. And if I'm busy, I say, come on, we got to go. 
I can't deal with that right now. I have to dry that up because it's going to spring up something that I cannot deal with. I have something else to deal with right now. It's not that I'm ignoring it. I say what that is, is grief. But I do not allow the root system to constantly feed my actions. You understand? I say it is grief. It is in my soil. I have it in my heart. I am upset in my heart. I am angry. It is in my heart. But I will not allow that nutrient to constantly feed this thing and spring up something nasty. So I think on things that are good. I think on things that are noble, things that are of a good report, truthful and honorable. The Bible says think on those things. And I'm not doing it to ignore my problems. I'm doing it because I know feeding it won't make the situation better. It just won't. So I have to starve it. If I can't uproot it, because sometimes it's just too intricately connected to everything in my life, I just can't snatch out the grief. How? My mom was too much, too much in my life. Everything. Can't snatch it out. But at times, I could drown and just dry out that root system. Yeah. What is it feeding? Quitting? What is it feeding? Loneliness? What is, it, what is it feeding? Anger? And then when I see that spring up, that root system, you've got to dry out. I'm just drying you out. But I can't uproot you. Because it's a part of my heart. Do you understand? I can't yank it out. You'll go crazy. You'll, you'll have a different type of reality. You won't be living in the realness of what life is. You can't uproot that kind of stuff. Do you understand? But you can starve it. Right in the area that you see is producing sin. And then I let it grow in areas of my sermon. When I talk about my mom, my grief, my pain, I allow that same pain to flow in a different root system that springs to life. But I never uprooted it in the slightest. Do you understand? When you realize it's it's springing up sin, if you know it's an intricate part of your day, an intricate part of your whole person, you may not be able to uproot it, but you can dry it out. Do you understand? If your chiefest pain comes from your parents, you can't uproot that. You can dry it out. Just the areas where it causes sin. And all the areas where there were good times in your household, all the areas where you learned some decent things, those are the areas that you can let it grow. Do you understand? But don't try to uproot it. You're tearing yourself apart. There are certain things that have to stay there. Do you understand? We can't get away from bad thoughts. We can't escape depression. Do you understand? We can't escape anger or bad emotions. They're going to be in our soil, our hearts, but we cannot allow them to not feed into areas of sin. I am, the Bible says, be angry and sin not. It says the anger's there. It is a reasonable response, but choose where you want to divert that resource. Do you understand? So in my mind, when I recognize that I have to dry out something, that if I keep feeding, it feeds it, and then I, I go from, and you can tell, I do, I'm, I'm doing my own spiral, you know. It goes from, I can't stand this when this happened. This is so terrible, and there's so much pressure, and nobody seems to understand, and I'm tired, and I'm exhausted, and it doesn't seem like it's working, and it's constantly working, and nothing is working, and it seems like we just, just we don't have no money. The church is just, we don't have, we just got no, so many people. We don't have no money to go nowhere. We can't, can't move, and it's all on me to figure it out, and I don't even know, and I don't even have my mom here, and I'm just spiraling, 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 and then I go, so I want to quit. 
So I'm done. I'm going to walk away from it all. Now, I've done this so much and saw all these spring-ups that now at first spa of spiral, <laughs> this first spa, I'm like, oh, mm-mm, 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 mm-mm. No need to go there. We already know. Let's dry it out. And so then I started applying the truth because every time I had to spiral down, the spirit of the Lord always supplied truth. Right? I don't have my mom, but you got your dad. I feel like I'm by myself. You got your aunts. You got your cousins. Look how they're looking out for you. You got your close friends. God did not leave you by yourself. You got the Petersons that understand loss. They can really feel you on that. You're not alone in this. And I just keep looking at all the truths that I found throughout. You know, and, and this is noble. And I'm going to see my mom one day, but it's not right now. And I do want to see what the Lord is going to do. I do want to run my race. And every solution and truth that the Lord gave me at some point, I have to apply that's the part that you guys are missing. You have to dry out the other side and apply the truths so it feeds the roots that you need. Do you understand? It doesn't negate that the pain was there. It doesn't negate that you really feel that way. It just says, I know where that's going, and I also know what I concluded already. I will live and not die. I want the Lord to say, I'll be a good, come in, welcome my good and faithful servant. There are conclusions that I came to. I already concluded that that lifestyle is not for me. I already concluded that I'm not into that anymore. I already concluded that I'm really going to be sold out for the Lord. I already concluded that I'm not going to back up no more. I already concluded that I'm not going to give up anymore. I already concluded that even if it don't go my way, I'm going to still love the Lord. You already came to some conclusions. And those are the ones you've got to use. Don't think they're going to show up on their own. You got to pump them bad boys into the soil. No, get over here. Hey, get get over here. Hope, come over here. (laughs) Faithfulness, get your tail over here. Long suffering, we need you now. (laughs) And you pull them in. You think that because it doesn't happen natural that something is wrong with you. This is humanity in a fallen state. Every once in a while, you got to look back and realize that I have to forgive again. I cut it down to the, to the shallow, not to the root. I need to forgive again. There's nothing wrong with that. Every once in a while, you need to recognize, I did it again. Let me dry that thing out. And every time, you get better and better and better and faster and faster. The Bible calls this discernment. You can see the problem. You know what types of solutions you should add into them, and you do it. That's discernment. But avoiding them altogether, saying that you'll never have those feelings. I wish I could be past that. You're not going to get past it. You are human. Yeah. But you can get better. Do you understand? Yeah. Better, stronger, healthier, more forgiving. Standing all over the house. You can get better. Yeah. 